What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, where we take a journey within to uncover the inner resources deep within our soul to transform physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It is through this higher sense of knowing we are able to design and live our lives with purpose, compassion, and for the collective consciousness. Are you ready to start your own inner revolution? Come with me. Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, everyone. I am your host, Dr. Renee, and welcome back for another incredible show. As always, I just want to go ahead and say thank you to all of you who follow our show every single week on iTunes and Stitcher and iHeartRadio. If you have yet to catch all of our episodes and want to do some binge listening, you know how to get to our show. Go ahead to iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio and look for the Inner Revolution with Dr. Renee. Today's show is going to be absolutely incredible, and let me tell you why. As you know, this show is very much a hybrid show that bridges the worlds between spirituality and traditional psychology, and I absolutely love the guests who come onto this show, but I have been wanting to get back to a greater discussion of alignment and focus back to our body. As many of you know, I am very much into pranic healing, and the guest today is going to be able to really help us get back into that essence of the body as well as stay connected to the other aspects of of the paradigm of mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual strength. So who am I talking about? I am talking about Greg Swanson, and he is a leading mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual strength expert. He specializes in helping individuals, executives, business owners, solopreneurs, health and fitness experts, and other professionals to really lead their life towards self-mastery, reaching their highest human potential, and peak performance. And an interesting thing about Greg that hopefully we'll get to talk about today, he had one of these defining moments that we talk about a lot here in the Inner Revolution. And his life sort of maybe flashed before his eyes, I'd like to say. I would imagine it had to in June of 1998 when he survived a horrific avalanche while descending Mount Rainier. And this is going to be an interesting story to hear. But in that moment, he really recognized and understood the true power of mind strength and also aligning the body, mind, and spirit that we talk a lot about here today. And Greg owns Warrior Mind Coaching. He's a very high quality, high content, high energy individual, and his programs represent 
the same. And he is doing absolutely amazing things. And we're going to talk so much with him today. So let me go ahead and be quiet and get Greg onto the show. Greg, are you there? Dr. Renee, thank you so, so much for that glowing introduction. And first, just I appreciate being part of your mission and your purpose in life by being on the show to help you help your listeners. Oh, thank you so much. And I couldn't think of anyone better in the performance field. When I think about self-mastery and peak performance and strength and the alignment of the Trinity, mind, body, and spirit, you know, you are someone who is right there at the top of the list for me. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure and honor. Thank you. So, so let's start with the most interesting. What happened on Mount Rainier, and what was that all about? So a little bit of a backstory, if you don't mind, first is my my nephew was very much into mountaineering and outdoor activities, rock climbing. I got involved okay. in rock cl- climbing because of that. Well, my nephew was doing an avalanche course up in British Columbia, and they were taking them, a helicopter pilot was taking them up to the top of the mountain to do some work. Anyway, the helicopter crashed into the mountain, oh my killing, killing my nephew instantly at oh. age 25. Oh, my goodness. So my brother obviously was devastated. I was devastated. And after about a year, my brother said, hey, I want to go out and experience what my son was experiencing. I want to know what it's like to be on the mountains. I want to know these things. Mm-hmm. So we started doing some smaller mountains, Shasta, Mount Hood, and some other ones. And we decided, hey, let's go to Rainier. It was one of Kent Jr.'s favorite mountain. So we took a five-day course on Mount Rainier with Rainier Mountain Guides. And we stayed at the Muir Hut at 10,000 feet. And we would go out and do um, ice climbing, crevasse rescue, glissading, all these wonderful things playing in the snow, um, which you would actually love from your background, right? To play in the snow. Oh, love, love the snow. Yes. Right, right. And the last day was a climb to the summit. And there was uh, 10 people in our group. And so we got up at two o'clock in the morning and it was a freezing cold morning. Even though it was June, it was still really, really cold. And we get to this point, it's called Disappointment Cleaver because it's so steep. But I remember before the avalanche, and this was dark at night, one side was a full moon. The other side was the sun was rising. It was such a beautiful, beautiful. And I thought this is going to be a great day. So we climbed to the top and it, it takes us a while, but we get there, the sun's up, it's nine o'clock, 10 o'clock or so. And our guide gets kind of nervous going, hey, it's getting a little bit warm here. Let's, let's start to descend. We've been up here too long. And I, I think this might've been around after, in the afternoon time frame, maybe 11-ish. So we started coming down, disappointment cleaver. And when you traverse across it, there's a rope that you're supposed to anchor into. And I was having problems anchoring into it. And the guy said, Hey, Greg, forget about it. Let's just go. Because in case you slipped, this would keep you on the mountain because you're tied to five other people in front front of you. Well, I finally got into it and no more than two steps into it, I hear avalanche. Oh my and, goodness. I, and I look up and so this is this avalanche is like a 7-Eleven Slurpee and you pour it out. Oh my so God. it's it's not this big puffy white clouds, which either one is bad. But so I lean into the mountain thinking it's going to just go over me. Well, it's so heavy, it takes me out. So I'm the last person in the rope group, takes me out. I get covered in this slush, now thinking, 
okay, how do I know which way up is? And I go, okay, I got to spit. And wherever I spit, you know, the opposite direction is going to be down. So that's going to be up. And I'm trying to remember all the things for avalanche. And then I pop up. I pop up on top of this avalanche as it's still moving, sitting down, feet going towards the edge of a cliff. As soon as my feet hit the cliff, I stop. Wow. And I looked down and the rope that had me tied to was going back up the mountain. I couldn't see where it was, but somewhere up there, it turned out to be, it was wrapped around the guide's hand who was wrapped around the mountain. But the rope was the only thing holding me in place. And then there was five other climbers below me. Some were standing on some cliffs, some were not. And one of the gentlemen, um, young man, was just suspended in his harness being covered in freezing cold water. Oh, my goodness. So the call goes out, some rescuers come. They can't, because of the, the nature of where we are, they can't come down and get us. So they have to secure the lines and hopefully have all of us work ourselves up the mountain. Yeah. And um, at that particular time, I didn't know it, but my uh, PCL was torn off my right knee. Oh. My left hand was broken. So it was moving around was, was really, really tough. All this time, though, I thought my brother was in front of me hanging off the cliff, and I thought he died. So I'm sitting there going, what am I going to tell my sister-in-law? Because the last thing I told her was, I'll take care of him. And, and then as I get up towards the mountain, I see he is okay. Oh, so, I'm, so I'm dehydrated, hypothermic. I mean, I could go on for a long time. Yeah. But effectively, what happened was eventually a, a um, National Guard helicopter, eight hours later, so the sun had set, we're in complete darkness, eight hours later came because of clouds and fog, they weren't allowed to fly. And we all had to walk a mile down this mountain to where the helicopter was. Now imagine, here's this top of the snow just getting crusty again. You think it's going to hold your weight and it doesn't. And then your knee snaps back every time mm. you walk. Eventually we got to the helicopter, brought the young gentleman who unfortunately had passed away and we were all airlifted off and dispersed amongst different hospitals. But it was, it was an experience where I, I didn't really see my life flash before me, but I was wondering how my family was going to respond. Because I have two kids, and at that particular point, I was divorced. And, and how were they going to respond if I wasn't here and you know things yeah, were happening? Right. And then just a side note, after, after I got back, I, I call it, I don't know if it was PTSD, but I was in a place of bliss, Renee. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was really, really interesting where... I was in this play, kind of like Edgar Tolley mm -hmm. talked about in, in Now, where for about a month, not that anything wasn't important, but it didn't have that big meaning to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to maneuver through life, appreciating everything and not having any, any attachment. Yeah. Not overthinking it, not overguessing it. Yeah. Right. And, and it, was, it was such a wonderful feeling of being able to just go through life and not have the attachment, not have the, oh, well, this means this and this means, and it, and it, it was really, really great feeling. And did you find that that feeling sustained or did it drop off after a while? It dropped off. So that okay. particular point, this was before I became a coach, I was in sales. And, and so being in sales, it's always being on and making sure you hit your quota and all of, all of that. And that's, and that's where it, after about a month having going out and see clients and 
stuff, it kind of fell, uh, fell off. Yeah. But just, but just on a side note, I got back very close to it recently last year when I had double pneumonia. <sighs> mm. So I had double pneumonia and then it turned into Ibaima. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correct, but that was where there is fluid between the lungs and the rib cage. And I lost 25 pounds in three weeks. Oh my goodness. And the same, it was just the tip of that feeling again when I was move, moving around. I was like, okay, really, these things aren't really that important. Yeah, yeah, right? Right. And, and you find yourself, isn't it interesting? I always talk about this, that some of us you know, find our purpose through pain. Other people find their purpose through pleasure. <laughs> but some of us, unfortunately, are catapulted and shoved into these circumstances. And we wonder why. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to experience this death? You know, of your nephew, and then you thought your brother, and you know, and then you still had a part, you know, member who was with you passes, and right. these are huge moments that if we over reflect, overthink, we miss the whole purpose of why it's happening, right? And so it sounds like you are somebody who was able to really figure out that transition without getting too consumed with the why. And actually, that's a really, really important point that you bring up because in the beginning when I was feeling this bliss state I wasn't asking why did it happen I was just there as I got more back into my ego and I'm one that thinks the ego is either bad or good it's how you train it right it's like a dog right the dog can be yeah but the but the the more rid of it right 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 right. so you might as well train it you know house house break it correctly So, so the more that I would get back into, you know, speak, speaking with friends and clients, well, why do you think this happened? Why do you think this happened? What's the purpose here? I started to overthink it. And I, and I, and I got to a point where I overthought it so much that i never came up with an answer from a intellectual perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets physically painful too. I mean, we can manifest so much pain and suffering in and outside of our body. When we are in that overlytical, you know, what is that? Um, I forget that saying, you know, that they sort of say, but, you know, it is about really kind of suffocating your own sense of the expression of your spirit and your soul when you're trying to live too far in your cognitive into your analytical. And yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds, wow, this is like, this is incredible, you know, because we, we think about all the things that we've been through. We think about different things. Some people think that some people suffer more than themselves or experience harder things than themselves. But no matter what we go through, there always is a reason. There's always a lesson. So what did you end up coming out on the other side from this transition and the shift of your own spirit that you came to a realization of what the lesson really was? That's another really, really great question. I haven't been able to put it into a bumper sticker yet, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but my t-shirt, we're going to sell t-shirts. Right. Right. right? Yeah. However, what, what it reinforced to me is I've been on a spiritual path for quite some time. I've gone to mystery schools. I've done a lot of different things. And what I realized that a lot of people were ignoring the physical in the spiritual pursuits. And what came to me is that we can't ignore the physical, the mental, the emotional sacrifice of the, of the, the spiritual, all of them are important. And when I went through the avalanche, it was, I I'm glad I took care of myself because if I didn't, I might not have survived. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because I, I I had that. The physical allowed me to reflect into the mental, the mental strength, what's going on, 
which reflected into the emotional, which reflected into the spiritual is like, why, what, what are my values? What is my purpose? What's my code of honor? So I really became more convinced than ever that as humans, we need to address all four aspects of ourselves. We cannot ignore, we cannot ignore any single one. And this is where I, I really truly believe, you know, about the physical exercise, nutrition, hydration, all of it, taking care of that. You know, we hear it, taking care of the temple, but yet is eating McDonald's taking care of the temple? I don't think so. Right. Yeah. And as somebody who can honestly say that I have slightly fallen off the wagon of my own physical care, you know, my body has has really sent me signals over the last year, year and a half that are undeniable now. And, you know, I, I kept trying to stay focused on this linear spiritual path that I was on because mm-hmm. I used to be, you know, I was a competitive cheerleader. I was huge into exercise in my 20s and early 30s. I used to work out profoundly. And and then I found myself in this space of infertility when I wanted to conceive my first child. And Mm -hmm. I remember them criticizing I had too low body fat and I was this and I was that. And I I moved into this space of becoming much more normal as far as a body should look. And Mm -hmm. I still am. But but my, my body now is reminding me as I go into perimenopause and all these kinds of things that there are additional things I have to take care of that what I used to do as a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old, you know, aren't going to work anymore. And I have to honor that vessel now as it is. And spiritual people, as you know, you hear this very often, I am not of this body. And that does not mean I shall not take care of my body. Those two do not mean the same. And many people are like, oh, I'm very spiritual and I know that I'll have another vessel or I'll ascend into something greater later, but you still have to take care of that body now. So so it sounds like in your spiritual path, you have definitely made that connection and lived that life. You know, is there any recommendation you can provide the listeners because our listeners definitely are tuned in, ready to start and change their own lives that they can think about just to get started, you know, lightly to make those smaller shifts um, to begin to gain mastery in their physical again, if they've been away. And that's, and that's a really good point. And what I would like to just share is Sufis have a walking meditation. Yeah. So it's the physical, right? I, I think the key is to recognize and acknowledge how much the physical plays in the spiritual practice. Meaning when we're sitting, meditating, we are sitting, the physical is sitting. Yeah. If we're doing walking, the physical is walking. And, and if we ignore, like you said, the physical for the spiritual, we're not connecting the two of them together. You know, this is where we have, we can get intuition because we feel it in our body. Yeah. Right. If we don't feel those things. And so I was just, if people are doing a meditation or a walking meditation, the first thing is acknowledge that the body is part of the practice. Mm. We have to acknowledge and be aware that the body is part of the practice. And if you're sitting and you're getting tired, well, then maybe doing some movements to strengthen your body so you can sit in a meditative position or walk for two miles and meditate. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we cut our if we cut our spiritual practice short because of aches and pains in our butt our body, 
that would be a big red flag going, okay, if I can take care of my body a little bit more so it can carry me two miles in a walking meditation, or I can sit for an hour, imagine the enlightenment that might be possible because my physical body can hold me in space. Wow. That's that's profound. I hope you guys hear that, that the body is part of the practice. That's I don't think I've ever really heard it said that way. And that's really profound. And I agree with you. I think many people who end up in their middle life where physical shifts and changes hap- happen for us against our will, right? Just mm-hmm. due to biology, um, we can still get back into an alignment of improving those things, even if it's slightly, you know, just a little bit each day. And like you said, just I I thought about people who struggle with meditation. Mm -hmm. One of the first things they always say is, I can't quiet my mind, I can't quiet my mind. And one of the things that always comes to me from an energetic perspective is it's not your mind. It's your body that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm, It's the mm -hmm. fact that you can't settle into a comfortable space of your vessel, that that's really what's making you lack in being able to get into that space. So thank you for bringing that up because I think a lot of people miss that. And just being aware of how the body supports the spiritual practice, just making that shift, I think will help individuals take care of their body. I mean, you don't have to go out and do CrossFit every day and that kind of stuff. But but there is a, a certain level of we need to take care and nurture it and, and feed it and exercise it and move it. I mean, the body's supposed to be moved, right? I mean, that's part yeah. of that. And you, you go to whirling dervishes, right? Look at right. them. They're right there. They're moving that body. And oh my gosh, most of us couldn't, couldn't do that. But yet right. they're taking their body to access the spirit. And many people, like you said, CrossFit, I used to love, I used to do CrossFit too. And then I got to a point in my life, I just couldn't anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I had, and I used to, you know, as I said, as a competitive cheerleader and dancer, I have done a lot in Pilates and things of that nature has been much more gentle for my body. Mm-hmm. But now I'm very much into Qigong. I love yeah. Qigong. And it has really been a great source of strength and connection of my physical to my spiritual. And my one of my workers that I was working with, an energy worker, um, was the one who really turned me on to Qigong. And I was so thankful. I'm like, thank mm-hmm. you. How did I never know of this practice, right? And right. such a blessing. So there's so many ways to get back to our body that don't always have right. to be hard. I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at right the the meridians and the nadis and yes. all the other part, right? Those are those are energy flows, yes. right? And if something doesn't flow, it becomes stagnant. And if we don't move our body to create that energy flow, the energy is going to become stagnant. Stagnant energy can manifest into aches and pains, et cetera, in our body, right? But if we look at yeah. if we look at if we look at the body as this wonderful wellspring, if we don't move it, it becomes stagnant. What happens with stagnant water, right? It just it just stinks after a while. Yeah. Right. But if we look at it and going, I'm gonna move the body, like Tai Chi. Qi Gong, your breathing exercise. I don't know if you mm-hmm. do Iron Shirt, Qi Gong, or which mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But but it's stimulant, right? The body is moving. You're moving your lungs. The body is the essential to get access to the spiritual. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I think that many people struggle in this quest because this process of committing to a practice, this takes some effort. 
it takes commitment, it takes execution, it takes reflection, it takes modification, <laughs> it takes a lot mm -hmm. of T-I-O-N words, right? It mm -hmm. definitely does. And when I was looking into your bio and more about you, I loved the questions you pose to your clients and the people that you work with as they're trying to make these life shifts, as they're trying to reach these higher levels of mastery or performance. You, you have on here, you say, are you prepared to make a choice? first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Second, once the choice is made, if you do that, are you courageous enough to start? And then will you commit to finishing what you start? These are profound. And yes. you know, the, I love sports psychologists particularly because they really are, right? You guys are in the field. You guys are working as mastery coaches, performance coaches, but really trying to understand the connection of the body, mind, and spirit into all of these questions. And I shared with you in the pre-show, I am at a point in my life now where I can't seem to finish much. You know, I either have these really high spurts where I can do everything and I commit to everything and until I'm done, I don't walk away or I feel like I have so much creativity, so many ideas, but I can't execute them anymore. Like something is, is fogging that plane of mine to be able to see what is on the other side. And so mm. there's, there's lots of things I've started that are just hanging. <laughs> so, right. so can you talk a little bit about how you sort of came up with these questions in a way um, and how you work through those with individuals. And then obviously any advice you have for me is greatly appreciated. <laughs> right, right. So one of the things that came to me, you talked about this fog is, is, is clouding the vision. Well, where is it clear? Are you looking where the vision is clear? Oh, anyway, wow. Right. Um, so what, what has occurred to me is taking my sales background, taking rock climbing, taking these things that put you in a position where you have to finish or else. I mean, you're rock climbing and you get halfway up the wall you got to finish because right. it's the only way it's the only way down it's the only way it doesn't matter how you feel it doesn't matter what mind is going on you have to finish in sales and people have different opinions of sales but if you want to do a good job and provide the proper service to your clients, you need to finish it. You can't go, well, I'll call them later. I'll do this later. I don't feel like it. These things need to be done, executed. What happens though with people is they say they want a different life. But are they can are do they really 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 want that change? And I think when people sit with that, they want a change, but they don't know what that change looks like. Yeah. And then the question is, why do you want the change? What's so you know what what are you? And people want to change because they're looking at what's not working in their life right now. Right. Yeah. And part of that change is what is working for you. And just the simple act of you know, are you willing to change? That means are you willing to change to looking from the junk pile to the flower beds. Wow. Are you willing to make that change in just your observations? Maybe not the physical change, but that comes later, right? So, you know, Ed, I don't know if you took mar martial arts, but where the head follows, where the head goes, the body follows. Right, yes. Right, and the same thing here, where our attention goes, are we looking at the junk? Are we looking at the flowers? That is a change. And often people, once you make that change, then you can, you know, your head turns, your body will follow to that change. Um, are they committed to it? Put it, put in all three of these together just real quick. There's a book by, I think, Seth Gooden called The Dip. And he talks about setting a goal and then asking yourself, what would get in the way for you to not complete this goal? And if you come up with something, the goal's not worth it. Yeah. You have to, you have to have that goal that is absolutely worth it. It's going, and that's your big why. And that's, you know, do you want to change? Yes. 
well, why are you, you know, why do you want this change? What, what do you see going to happen? Then are you committed to it? Cause you have to commit. If you want the change, you have to commit. You have to give your word. You have to give your honor. You have to commit. And the only way the change is going to happen is you have to finish what you start. Yeah. And that's, that's so hard for many, right? It really is. And I think, so, so is it, is it hard or are they saying it's hard based on past failures and not past successes? Mm, yeah, good point. I love the the comment you made about are you looking where it's clear? Right. And again, you know, the, these are things that somehow we know, but yet when you hear it said in that way, it becomes far more profound because, you know, as we think about where we're heading right now and this energy and, and where we are in the universe and the world and the times, you know, I've said this many times in, in my work, you know, we're no longer going to be able to see in the way that we used to be able to see, mm-hmm. right? We have evolved spiritually as a collective on this planet. It's hard to deny. I mean, yes, things before us look catastrophic and tragic. Tragic, don't they? You know, environmentally and people, there seems to be lots more accidents and people passing. But in reality, it really is an evolutionary process for us. So we're actually coming to a higher sense of knowing. And so I think for many people, including myself, who were so reliant on seeing through our eyes, this is what this looks like. This is what this um, means to me in this moment really can't be held anymore because we have to be able to trust. We have to be able to believe and have faith once again. And as we think about if we're trying to change something in our life and we don't have faith that it's going to shift based on only living in this moment of what it looks like right now before our eyes, I think that's where many people will get misled. And so I love that you've said, again, look where it's clear. I'm mm-hmm. going to do that today. I mean, that's right, really right. Sense. And, and And also, I mean, you, you asked the, qu- the question about finishing what you start. Well, that implies that in the very beginning, you are committed to what you started. And, you know, if, if, as Seth talks, Gooden talks about that, if there's, if you know something could get in your way and you would stop, then don't do it. Mm. And it's so incredible because I, I remember, you know, as a doctoral student, I remember a professor of mine who was teaching us about goal setting at the time. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that she brought up, she said, before we do anything, you know, you know what you want to do, you know, where you want to go, you know what you're trying to achieve. But the biggest thing in her personal experience and research was how will you get in your own way? How Mm -hmm. will you potentially sabotage your efforts? Let's talk about that before we even think about the plan. Mm -hmm. That was like, wow. How profound is that? And I do that with my students now. And everything that we do at the beginning of the semester, as we think about where we're going, I always say, think about how you will get in your own way this semester. What are the excuses you'll make? What are the things that you'll find to do instead of what you should do? And and put those out there in front of you right now and, right. and attend to those. And then, and then take and then take it into a bigger picture because I do that with my clients as well when they say, okay, here's what I want to get accomplished, great, blah, blah, you know, whatever it might be, then going, what's going to get in your way? Yeah. So for instance, if you're on a nutrition program, you change it and uh, you, you're asked out for dinner that night. Well, I was asked out for friends. I couldn't help it. I had the bread. I had the salad or the, you know, the, the drink and the dessert. Well, they got on their own way. Right. Right. But if you know what's going to, and to underscore what you said, if you know what's going to get in your own way and then mentally rehearse overcoming that obstacle, seeing yourself going into the restaurant, ordering a glass of water, pushing the bread away, having the salad, still having a great time, but knowing 
don't fall back onto bad habits. That's why a lot of people don't finish what they start because they've, they've developed the habit of not finishing what they start. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. <laughs> that's an absolute right. big one, right? right? Like we just have the habit of bad thoughts, bad behavior, and, and lots of things that just we allow to creep in because it's really uncomfortable to shift yep. ourselves into something different. Yes. Yeah. Because, and that's that complacent zone or comfort zone that is so popular out there, right? Is that we want to stay within it and heavens forbid, if we try to, to step out of it, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel uncomfortable going out to dinner with friends and ordering a water instead of a martini or a beer and pushing the bread, the, the bread away. But yeah. that's, but the importance of it, it needs to be you know, defined by the individual. Yeah, absolutely. Now, thinking about all of this, something that came up to me was the construct of courage. Mm. So what is courage to you? Wow. That, mm, you got some great questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Right. Thank you. For me, I don't want to sound cliche about facing your fears and doing it anyway, but courage to me is that that action that we take either physically or you know if you're having that difficult con- conversation that you would prefer not to do but you do it anyway mm. right because when we think of courage a lot of times we think of and rightfully so you know uh, first responders going in firemen military all these different individuals facing death and that's what we think courage is but i i believe that courage is f- doing those things that are very uncomfortable for us and we do them anyway. Having that difficult conversation with our partner, having that difficult conversation with a friend about how they mistreated us or how we feel we've been mistreated. Having that difficult conversation with your boss about asking for a raise. Those type of things take courage. And my belief is that when we can start to acknowledge on how courageous we really, really, really are, we can then be more courageous in other things. Mm, Beautiful. And you know, I I asked the question because my my kids' school this year, that's their mission, is the courage to be a saint. And Mm -hmm. um, they they have created this whole mission around this idea that no matter how old you are, no matter what your plight is in life, we all have the ability to be courageous and to do great things. Mm -hmm. And and I love this principle. She's so phenomenal and doing great things in the school. And they pick a saint each year in which to emulate. And this year, they have... um, um, a, a gentleman who was very young, he actually died in his 20s. Um, Pier Giorgio was an Italian. And he was somebody, like what you're talking about here, who no matter what the situation was, no matter how uncomfortable it was, he went out and still did it, still mm-hmm. faced the, his fears, his challenges, things like that. And, and I think are more courageous than we think. Something that came to me when you were talking about the examples was the mother who wakes up in the morning and is having to do all of this by herself or the single father who's lost his spouse mm-hmm. and has to face life alone right now and still gets up, you know, and, and does it, still rises into life and does it. And mm-hmm. That's courage. That's right. courage. I, I, I truly, truly believe that. And that's a great example because at every point we, can, we have a choice, right? Like you mm-hmm. said, if the, the single dad or the single mom, they have a choice to stay in bed and surrender or give up. I wouldn't say surrender, give up, or they have a choice to rise and move forward. That choice is courage. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And no matter how old you are, listeners, this is something that we can really cultivate in our children, really getting them to become more evident of things they can do to be courageous. And my son 
last year, there was a bullying incident out on the playground. He couldn't sit still with it. He was bothered by it. He came Mm -hmm. home. He said, mom, this is this and this is this and and this is happening. And I said, what do you want to do about it? He said, well, that's why I came to you. I said, no, you have all the answers. What are you feeling? Mm -hmm. What's inside of you? What do you want to do and take the next step? He said, I feel like I need to talk to someone. And I said, well, then let's do that. And he already knew, right? These Mm -hmm. kids are so brilliant and so Mm -hmm. already hardwired for greatness. And we as adults, we've lost our path, but we can get back to it if we simply turn around and say, hello, (laughs) I'm back. Welcome home is what I always say. And I think that that's where we're sort of heading. And that's why I love the work that you're doing in really getting people back to basic element of living, but at the same time, taking it into a spiritual plane that maybe we haven't learned about, we haven't known before. So mm. so thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you very much for acknowledging that. And I just wanted to add, you mentioned the word great a couple of times. Yeah. And what I have, what I would like the listeners and what I coach my clients on is great is in the eyes of the beholder. Yeah. Often we think great is defined by society as doing building something tremendous, building a legacy and having these great things. This is what takes courage. And just the simple butterfly effect, right? Just by the mom waking up is demonstrating to her kids, the single mom, on how courageous life needs to be at times. And that, you don't know where that's going to go. So I would just, we don't have, we can do great things in accordance to how we see them, but don't make greatness such a big obstacle that you don't be courageous. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Love that. And I agree with you. I think, again, the idea of greatness really is in any moment, right? Mm -hmm. Any moment can be great. Any moment can be full of miracles and miraculous. It just takes that ability to be able to sit into it and feel that. I'm very much, you know, and and I always say this because I always get worried mindset coaches are just going to despise me because it, it isn't that I don't believe that the power of the mind is something to attend to. I just have known that we've gotten infatuated with either the brain working in isolation or the feeling component, the emotional body working in isolation. And and these things do at times. They certainly have survival evolutionary mechanisms to work on their own, but but it really is about the interplay and and the interaction of these as you talk about the mind, body, spirit and the emotional mm-hmm. pain as well, that it's undeniable how much powerful we are when we allow these things to work together in the piece that they want to. Exactly. And that's so, so true. And that's where, again, I I appreciate what you said said about, you know, the brain being, we think of it's independent and, uh, Mm -hmm. and we go, well, I'm not my brain. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not this. Well, then who's saying the, you know, this gets back to Edgar Tolley, who's saying, who's the observer and who's the feeler of the emotions? Then what are you? If you're right, none of that, what are you? <laughs> right, right. And 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 so this is where, yes, we will transcend at some point. And I'm just reading a book, uh, Journey of Souls, yeah. which is, have you read that book? No, but I know of it. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and I'm really fascinated about the the studies that were done on it. But And so the, the premise is that at some point we're going to transition. Right. But right now, we have a physical body to experience the inner world and the outer world together. And the more we take care of it and fine-tune it, the more we're going to become aware of the messages that we're receiving. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So 
I know we're getting to the end of the show here, which is always such a hard place to be right. because I so enjoy talking to my guests and especially today as we've tried to make a return back to the body and the understanding of the physical as part of the practice and, and so many truth bombs going on in this, this moment right now. So listeners, I know this is such a, an amazing show, but I want to ask the question that I always ask at the end of every podcast. It's a legacy question Uh-oh. called the footprint in the sand. And I call it that because I think about the work that we're all doing. We're all in the collective healing, we're all mm-hmm. serving, we're all doing something towards the greater good. And it's about recognizing that you don't have to make the profound impact. It can be as gentle as a footprint in the sand and still mm-hmm. make as profound of a difference, right? In your own work and your own experiences and what you've lived so far, looking back, what, what is it that you really hope to leave to the world, to the next generations through the work that you do? And first, before I answer that, one, one that, again, that's an awesome question. I love being interviewed and talked to you about that. But that leaving that footprint is what I took it as is also that great, right? When we think of being great, it's that footprint could be great. Yeah. Right? So for myself, I, what I want to leave behind is thousands of people who truly understand their true power what they are capable of doing, what they can accomplish in life. And it doesn't mean material things, but what can they access in their self and understand that they, are, they really are a special individual that has powerful, powerful um, potential to change the planet. Mm. Absolutely. We are all powerful, are we not? And if, and, and, if, and if I can just change one person, that's the footprint, just one person, then I, have the, I, I believe and I have the faith that that one person can have a huge impact. So I don't need to change a thousand lives. I just really want to change one, but my goal would be to change a thousand. But if I can change one, and I, and I believe I have, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you have. And and thank you so much again for all the work that you do and the powerful impact you are having on changing people's mindset, spiritual growth, their overall perceptions of the connections of all the things that they do. So thank you so much for all of that. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, just trying to keep up with you, Dr. Renee, just trying to keep up with your work. Oh, oh well, thank you so much. I truly <laughs> appreciate you. And we would love to have you on again here in the Inner Revolution someday. So keep your books open for us always. Absolutely. I I certainly will. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you. And everyone here for The Inner Revolution, I'm your host, Dr. Renee. And for Greg Swanson, we say thank you for tuning in this week. We will be back next week with another amazing episode. Don't forget to check out The Inner Revolution with Dr. Renee on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and also Stitcher. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Inner Revolution with Dr. Renee. Tune in again next week for another fabulous episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Mudre, or you can check out my website at www.transcendentheart.com. Talk to you again soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.